0: Well, I have the honor this morning, and it is an honor, it's a joy, to reintroduce Riley Short to you. Now, some of you started attending after Riley's retirement, and, and during that time you've probably heard the name Riley Short many times uh, because Riley is still very much active in ministry. What a wonderful ministry he had here for eleven and a half years. Today is a special day, as I mentioned to you earlier, because it was 30 years ago this Sunday that Riley preached his first sermon here at this church. Bob Fannin had come 18 months earlier to be the senior pastor of this church, and he was elected to be one of the bishops of the church, which meant September 1st he had to be off to Alabama to serve there. Well, that stirred things up in the conference because the election of bishops take place mid-July, and by September 1st, they had to have a new pastor here. So Riley came from Miami here to us and served for 11 and a half years with distinction. Um, I know that that was a very, very important time for the church at that point. It was growing. It was thriving. This ministry was going through transition. Contemporary worship was on the horizon. There were many, many challenges and Riley led this congregation very well through all of that, and to this day we are very grateful for that legacy. He didn't just quit when he retired, as you know, he has gone on to serve is it eleven churches, Riley, in his retirement. Typically a church that it finds itself without a pastor, perhaps a pastor had some problem and needed to be moved out or something happened where they needed someone, Riley stepped up again and again to say yes, he would be there to help. And that's taken him all over the conference, uprooting himself, his family, often to serve there, but he did it with grace and with love because that was his calling and what's really in his heart. Riley is a friend. He long ago... Uh, kind of noticed me took note of me started nurturing and mentoring me and encouraging me and I would tell him again and again O'Reilly you know there's people that are much much better than me but he said no no I want you to think about this and he never let me go little did I know that I would be standing here one day in that legacy that he has set so well but I'm honored to be one of the pastors of this church as you know Riley, as I said, has been a friend. Riley, you know, we walked together through many things. Uh, the death of a wife, a marriage to a new wife, which was a great joy. And, of course, coming and going to serve these many churches, talking about the future of the church, being encouraged, being strengthened. Riley has that unique way sometimes of calling me. He said, there's something you need to know, which is always helpful. But he has helped me succeed here, where otherwise it would have been much harder. I want you to hear this. I am very, very grateful for Riley Short. He's a good person. He's a wonderful pastor. He loves the Lord. And I will tell you there's nothing more important to him than knowing that people have come to know that very same love that changed his life years ago. We are honored to have Riley Short back with us today. Now, I'll let him tell you about why he's got a boot on his foot, and we've got a stool here for him if it gets too hard to stand. But as Riley said, you don't preach with your feet. So he's going to, standing on the stool, he's going to bring us a wonderful gift today with this message. Riley, would you come and welcome home.
1: You know, i want to thank david for inviting me um he remembered that it was my 30th i didn't of course not only do you break your foot but your memory goes sometime too so but um i broke m- my ankle riding my bicycle uh, about two weeks ago and i you know uh, that well uh, Diana also wanted to do the same thing. She just, so, <laughs> and we're going to have a race with our carts. So. But, you know, David's right, 30 years ago, and I think the only person that's left that was on the staff when I came was Matthew. And i got to tell you, the first week I met one-on-one with the people in On the staff, and I said, uh, what do you do? How do you like it? What do you not like? And where do you see yourself in ten years, five years? And Matthew said, well, uh, as soon as I quit being the president of the the organist guild, was it? Yeah. I'll be leaving because I'm going to go to graduate school. Well, he hadn't left yet, and I'm, I am so thankful for what, what a great organist and pianist and, and a great friend, too. So he's the only one left that was on the staff with me. Um, <clears throat> but thank you so much for uh, letting me come back and be in this pulpit again. It's, it's such a privilege to preach from this pulpit and uh, be a part of this great church. So I've chosen for my scripture today, Matthew, the 16th chapter, the 13th through the 18th verse. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some, some say you're John the Baptist, others, Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? It was Simon Peter who answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Let's bow our heads for a prayer together. We wait for your word, O Lord. And we pray that just as you came in Caesarea Philippi, so come to this beautiful place in Lakeland, Florida, and pose your questions and give us a challenge and bless us with a word of your truth and and love, because we really need it, Lord. And bless me as I have the opportunity to address these great people again. Fill me with your spirit that I may be equal to this opportunity. Hear our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a, a child, I shared a bedroom with my brother. He was older than I was and he was a collector of everything. But one of the things that he collected were pennants. They were hung all over the the room. Pennants from everywhere. And one of the pennants that was right over my head on my bed where I slept was a pennant from England. And on that pennant was A picture of Winston Churchill and beside him was a British bulldog. I thought as a child how they resembled each other. And the pennant had these great words. There will always be an England. You see it was uh, during World War II that I was a child. And there was a terrible, terrible time in the history of England. And Winston Churchill stood in the midst of the ashes of London, having been bombed by the Nazis. It was a dark time in the history of England because Germany seemed to be overwhelming the world with its military power. And there was certain to be an invasion by their army soon. But in the midst of those ashes, Winston Churchill said, there will always be an England. And the people of that nation uh, found a great strength to endure because of that statement. Well, in our scripture lesson for this morning, here comes Jesus to a world in ashes, a world in turmoil. And he tells us, he gives us a great promise. Upon this I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What a great promise we have in these times of trial and challenge. As we think about uh, the emerging church after COVID, and all of the challenges that are a part of that, As we think about the challenge of what's going on in the United Methodist Church. How we need to hear Jesus say to us, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So the question is, there's always going to be the church. But the question is, is what kind of a church will we have? What kind of a church will we have after COVID, which has caused us to have distancing. Is the church going to go back and be the same old same old or will we move into a different day? And how will we be affected by it? So the question is what kind of church do you want? What kind of a church shall we make it be? Well I don't know about you but I want a church that will be like a family. How we need to be together. As brothers and sisters. And, and, it's just be, and when you think about family, you realize that all families have different sorts of people. They're young and old. There's a male and female. White and black. There are, there are gators and there are, there are seminoles. And, <laughs> and, man, it's all Commodores. <laughs> In other words, we had some victors and some losers. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, w- w- a family accepts that about each other. I like the idea of the church being a family where we laugh together, where we cry together where we we hurt together. I like that idea. And I realize that there are so many things that separate us, but there are some things that unite us, too. For one thing, we're all hypocrites. And we need to confess that and admit that. In fact, I'm the biggest hypocrite and have been the biggest hypocrite in this church for 30 years. David's trying to outdo me, but I've got him. And until we admit and confess that we're, we're hypocrites, we can never really truly be honest with Jesus. So we need to confess that. I I remember as a young preacher how I would point to people and say what they were. I'd say, he's gay, he's straight. He's a sinner, he's a saint. I would say, uh, they're black, they're white. They're male, they're female. They're young, they're old. And I was wearing myself out doing that. And burning myself out. And in that still, small voice, Jesus said to me, you're trying to do my job, son. You're wearing yourself out. I'll judge them. You just love them. And that's what the church needs to be, in my opinion, a loving fellowship family. Realizing that we're all brothers and sisters in need of the Savior. And we're all brothers and sisters under the fatherhood of God through Jesus Christ. I want the church to be a family. I want the church also to care about the broken people of the world. I want I want the church to love and care for those that are forgotten. Years ago, when I was uh, serving, uh, actively serving, we had a member of the church who was uh, who was up at Shands Hospital in Gainesville. And when you go to Shands, it means things are pretty, pretty tough on you. So uh, I drove up and uh, <clears throat> to see the the member. But when I got there, the nurse told me that the doctor was with them and that I couldn't see them. And I thought, well, I I'm gonna have to wait. So I said, "Is it okay if I wait for him?" Said, "Sure. Down here is a waiting room. When the doctor leaves, I'll come and get you." So I said, "Fine." So I went down to the waiting room and sat down, and I, I looked around to see if there was something I could do in ministry. I just didn't want to sit there and waste my time. Over to the left, uh, by the window, was set a woman working on a uh, jigsaw puzzle. I couldn't help her, and over here was a man sleeping in a in a chair, and there was a. Soap opera on the TV and on the table in front of me were a lot of used magazines with old stories. World War II, it ended, uh, you know, all those up-to-date uh, magazines that are always around. Uh, and <clears throat> But nothing in the room seemed to catch my attention, but I saw a little girl. A little girl that was in a bathrobe, and she had on one of those bands that tell you if she's a patient. And she was sort of dancing around the room, trying to get somebody to pay attention to her. Aha, I said. Here's my opportunity. So I gave her some eye contact and smiled at her. And finally, she came up and stood before me. And she said, hi. Hi. She said, my name is Gloria and I am 10 years old. I said, well, hi, Gloria. My name's Riley and I'm not about to tell you how old I am. And she said, well, that's okay. She said, but guess what? And I said, guess what? I'm just meeting you and you want me to guess something about you? And she said, guess what? My mama took me to the circus. And I said, so? So what's so great about a circus? She said, oh, there are a lot of things that are great about a circus. There are clowns and there are people riding horses, standing on them while they ride. There are acrobats, there are clowns, there are lions and tigers and elephants. And she said, and I rode an elephant. I said, no, you didn't. You're too little to ride an elephant. Don't tell me you. I rode an elephant. And I said, well, you know what, Gloria, I'd like to be an elephant. Just think, if you were an elephant, you could sit anywhere you want to. And you could walk anywhere you want to. And if somebody doesn't like it, you just take a big old slug of water and spray it on them. Or you pick them up in your trunk and throw them aside. Oh, she said, no, I wouldn't want to be an elephant. They smell bad. Well, I noticed the woman over working on the cross with the uh, puzzle looking at me wondering, what's this guy doing with my daughter? So I thought I'd put her at ease, and I said, Gloria, I'm a, I'm a preacher. Do you know what a preacher is? She said, sure, I know what a preacher is. She said, I go to Sunday school and church every Sunday. She said, I know that Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem, He died on the cross for my sins and yours. He rose from the grave on Easter Sunday. And because he lives, I'm going to live. I said, well, well, Gloria, are you a Methodist? She said, no, I'm a Baptist. (laughs) So I thought I better change the subject. (laughs) So I said, Gloria, what's a pretty little girl like you doing in a place like this? And she took off her glasses, and I saw she was cross-eyed. She said, I'm waiting to be operated on this morning. She said, that they've operated on me already twice and hadn't gotten it right yet. But boy, she said, I hope it gets right this time. And I said, boy, Gloria, I hope so, too. I hope so, too. About that time, the nurse came in and said, uh, Reverend, uh, the doctor's gone, and you can come see your patient. So I said, hey, Gloria, it's sure been fun talking to you. But I'm going to have to run on now. May God bless you, and may those doctors fix that eye. And I walked on out the door. I'd gone maybe 20 yards down the hall, and she had popped out in the hall after me. And she said, hey, preacher, hey, preacher, don't forget me. Don't ever forget me. And I turned around and unashamedly knelt down and held that little girl in my arms. And I said, no, no, Gloria forget you I will never forget you that little girl was expressing the need of every human heart that I know every person in the world and I want a church I want a church that won't forget them I want the church to be a church that cares, that loves and never no, never forgets But I also want a church that lifts up the name of Jesus as the help and the hope of the world. I think we need to lift up the name of Jesus more. We speak of God, almightiness. But my mind is so limited I can't grasp the term almighty God. As a matter of fact, if I could grasp almighty God, my God isn't big enough. It's beyond my comprehension, my human understanding. Oh. oh, but tell me about Jesus. I know him. I understand him. He puts a face on God for me. And we need to lift him up to a world in need because they can understand Jesus. And he said, if I if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, all women unto me. So I want a church that lifts up Jesus as the help and the hope of the world. Some years ago, I served a, a church that had a teenager in it that was an incredible young man. Handsome, tall, athletic, who was president of his student body of a humongous school. Very, very well thought of and successful. He and my boys got to be friends, and they stayed friends through the years. One of my boys uh, took him out to dinner, to lunch one day, not too long ago. And uh, Jeff was his name. Jeff uh, wasn't going to church anymore. He uh, graduated from college, went into business, very successful. But he quit going to church. And uh, I don't know how it came up, but he said to my son, you know, it's just too bad that the church is like Radio Shack. Got a lot of stuff. It's out of date and nobody wants it anymore. And I said to my son, I said, What'd you say to him? He said, Dad, I I didn't know what to say. So I didn't say anything. And I said, Boy, I would I would say, Jeff, you're wrong. You are terribly wrong because in every person's life you are born with a vacancy and with a yearning for the living presence of God in your life. And that vacancy can only be filled with the presence of Jesus. So you're wrong, Jeff, you're wrong. Because the church is the one institution that offers to the world what it's yearning for, and that is the presence of Jesus. We try to fill that void with everything. Everything else in the world. We stuff ourselves with food. We drink ourselves into to a unconsciousness trying to fill the void. We use drugs to fill the void. We use sex to try to fill the void. But nothing will fill that void except for the presence of Jesus. I think I know why Jesus... At Caesarea Philippi, asked the disciples, "Who do men say that I am?" It was sort of a a Gallup poll. He wanted to know how he was standing in the world. They complimented him. They said, "Oh, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." But then Jesus got very personal. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this, upon this I built my church. That void can be filled only by the presence of Jesus. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. The old the old discipline of the church, the order of worship for membership, says this The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of the sacraments, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All All that includes me and includes you. Stand in the need of the means of grace, which it alone supplies. That's good news. That's good news for me and for you.
0: We're offered Jesus. And that's the truth. Amen. And now receive this benediction, this blessing, as you go forth, because this is not something that we are called to keep here, but to share with the world. This world is struggling with a lot, but we have that word of hope. It's not found in us and our own ideas, but it's found in what Jesus Christ asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the living Son of God. You are the one who loves us, the one who has offered us hope in eternity. You turn darkness to light. Go now and proclaim that same good news in the name of him who has come that we might have life and have that life abundantly, that very same Jesus Christ. Amen.